There is a, a guy God used powerfully a few decades back when a, a wave of spiritual renewal or revival swept across North America. It, it came out of what was a bit of a 60s and 70s hippie revival movement called the Jesus People. And one of the leaders of the movement was a man named John Wimber who went on to found the Vineyard Denomination, a, a church denomination that promoted charismatic renewal while encouraging people to exercise all of the spiritual gifts that God gives, including prophetic words and trusting God for healing, inner emotional healing and physical healing. Wimber came to faith while he was the manager of a 60s rock band called the Righteous Brothers. I'm sure some of you remember that band. They did make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Out of a drugs and rock and roll culture, Wimber became a follower of Jesus. And very early on, he asked the uh, pastor of the church that he started to attend. So when does all this stuff happen? The pastor responded like, what stuff? You know, the Bible stuff, all the miracles that Jesus did. I, I don't see it happening much. When, when do we start to see all that Bible stuff happening? And Wimber never stopped asking that question, and, and it became core to his ministry. Wimber became an advocate for something known as power evangelism. That is, using uh, prayer to pray for unbelievers and seeing God respond powerfully and miraculously, leading people to, to become followers of Jesus themselves. In the 80s, I went to a conference where Wimber was speaking. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. He had a bit of a wild reputation. And in a question and answer period in that conference, someone asked Wimber, does God always heal when you pray? Wimber laughed and said, heck no. Most of the people I pray for don't get healed. But wow, some people do. And it's amazing. It's miraculous. And because God sometimes chooses to heal in response to prayer, I will keep praying and praying and praying. That very honest response of John Wimber has stayed with me. Hey, I wish every time I prayed that God answered and healed or delivered the way that I prayed. But I've seen God answer prayer enough over the years to know that prayer changes things, prayer changes lives, that prayer changes history. God doesn't always respond to prayer exactly the way that I, I hope he would, but so often he responds so spectacularly, so miraculously, but at other times he responds much more quietly. But in the quietness, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has answered. And sometimes he just doesn't seem to turn up, but oh, he's here, he's there, he's there. We're in a second week uh, of a series of messages on the power of prayer, and last week, we looked at Joshua chapter 10, grabbing some ideas from Steve Furtick's book, Sun Stand Still, where I encourage you to pray some Sun Stand Still prayers like Joshua did. That the writers of the Bible want us to know that God responds to faith, that, that he can do more than we ask or imagine. So let me ask you, where in your life do you need to be praying a bold prayer of faith? Is it about your health? Your work situation, what God is calling you maybe to do through Fort City. Would you be bold enough to pray it? Some of uh, my Bible teachers in the past have been incredibly honest about praying bold prayers and dealing with all of the what-ifs that come in the middle of prayer. What if God doesn't answer the way that I'm praying? That's what I so appreciated about John Wimber. He was honest about the what-ifs but passionate to keep stepping out in faith, in prayer. St same thing with Steve Furtick, who will be an influence again this week on my message, that the what-ifs, they're real, right? 
But let's keep praying. The fact is, you may ask God to uh, make the sun stand still, but the sky keeps getting darker. You may ask God to make your marriage better, but your spouse gets a little colder. I know some of you thought after my message last week, yes, I'll never have an ache or a pain again. My teenage daughter is never going to roll her eyes again when I ask her to do the dishes. She's just going to shine so bright like the angelic host of heaven. But yeah, it doesn't always work that way. So today, I want to take you to a story in the New Testament where where someone asked Jesus to do something really big, kind of a, a sun stand still kind of prayer. And yeah, in this story, it looked like things were going to turn around for the better. I mean, hope is rising up, faith is rising up, but then stuff happens and things get worse. We'll be in Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at a guy named Jairus who was an important leader from the local synagogue. He had a 12-year-old daughter who was very, very sick. And he comes to Jesus, and he humbles himself before Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I need you. I need you to touch my daughter. And friends, think about this for a minute. Any of you who are parents, uh, any of you who are dads, this is the greatest need a human being can have, I think, a child near death. My kids, they're, they're now adults, and even as adults, let alone as 12-year-olds, I just can't imagine my son or one of my daughters being sick to the point of death. I, I know some of you have been through that. I'm so sorry. But for you and me, as we listen to this story, this, this sick 12-year-old girl represents the worst need that you have in your life today. And we want to take a look at how God's Word speaks to the toughest of situations that you and I can be in. Now, Jesus agrees to go and heal this man's daughter. He, he's got this father's hopes up. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. This is, this is going to be awesome. This is a, a miracle in progress. And then life gets terribly interrupted by a circumstance. As they're traveling to this guy's house to heal his daughter, you know, from out of nowhere, this woman cuts to the front of the line. Well, what she really does is she sneaks into the line, touches Jesus' cloak. Jesus feels power go out of him, and so he stops the journey to this guy's house to find out who touched him. Now, if you're a dad of a 12-year-old who's dying and someone cuts into the line, someone interrupts this time-sensitive journey, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd do very well at that point. My daughter's about to die and you cut in front of me like, watch out, right? Pastor or not, I, I, I might lose it. I mean, come on, do any of us do very well when someone cuts into the line in front of us, even at the best of times? Okay, some of you might be more saintly than me. I understand that, okay. But anyways, things just go from bad to worse. Let's uh, go to what the Apostle Mark writes. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Oh, man. Jesus agrees to make the sun stand still in your situation. You thought it was a done deal, that God was going to do a miracle, and somebody cuts in. I guess they're just more important to, than me, right? They, they got to go to the front of the line. They, they get to the answer to the prayer that they so want, and now my daughter's dead. My situation has is, is fallen apart. It's literally died. Like, like, what just happened? Ever felt that about a prayer? You had hope, 
it, it looked like God was going to turn up and then it just falls apart. And that's where Jairus is at when these people from his home uh, arrive to say to him, it's over. Like, why bother the teacher anymore? Have you ever gotten to the place in your relationship with God where you felt like, why even bother? Your friends and family are telling you to give up, and the truth is you feel real defeated, depressed. It isn't working. Yeah, why even bother? Friends, this is the paradox of walking in faith and trusting God. You've got God living inside of you, whispering words of hope that, that it is possible, that, that God's got this. You, you know the Bible teaches that anything is possible with God, but there's, there's no breakthrough. You, you can't break free. You've tried to stop this habit in your life for years. Why will it be different this time? Like, why bother? Why bother asking God to resurrect a broken marriage? Every attempt you make at making it better just backfires. Why bother to pray about your kid who is on drugs or addicted to some dark stuff on the internet? It's, it's just not going to get better. Whatever it is, have you ever heard the voice of doubt in your ear telling you, why bother? Well, and these words of Jesus are for you. It's Mark chapter 5, verse 36. They're, they're almost worth memorizing, underlining in the Bible. They're awesome. Ignoring what they said. Sometimes to walk in faith means ignoring what other people say. Ignoring what they said. That is so powerful. As I look, after, as I look over uh, my years of life and ministry, most things that I've done that have been great for God, well, I should rephrase that. God did them, not me. So most of the great things God has done for me in response to prayer, I've had people telling me it shouldn't work. Here's something I picked up from Steve Furtick. Selective hearing is one of your most effective allies in the fight of faith. In other words, ignoring what they said. You need to learn how to tune out the doubt. You need to do exactly what Jesus is telling you to do. A little girl is dead. I mean, nothing worse from a human perspective. But watch Jesus' unflinching response. And as you watch, know that the same Jesus who responded without flinching on the news that this girl had died is just as in control of whatever impossible situation you are facing. Even if your situation appears to be dead, no hope, God, whatever it is you're facing, friends, God can resurrect it. What does Mark write? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Just believe. On one hand, you, you got Jairus' own servant saying, why bother? And Jesus responds, just believe. And the smartest thing that Jairus does is he keeps his mouth shut and he just does what Jesus says. You know, sometimes we just need to do the same. You just have to keep the promises that God has given you front and center and follow Jesus back to the house because Jairus, Jairus had a promise that uh, Jesus would heal, and he just held on to that promise. And so Jairus gets back into the line with Jesus, and then notice what Jesus does. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. Jesus cuts out all the noise. He, he bans all the naysayers. 
Perhaps you have some well-intentioned relatives or friends you need to stop listening to who want to tell you how to make your marriage work or your finances uh, come together, but they don't really believe that Jesus can make a difference. Okay, let's keep reading. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all the commotion and the wailing? Well, like, what do you think, Jesus? A, a 12-year-old has just died? But Jesus, he doesn't see a death. He, he sees an opportunity for a resurrection. Hey, hey, Jesus doesn't see your situation quite the same way you do. Often what uh, he sees is simply an opportunity to bring his name glory, an opportunity for a miracle. Okay, but it can get complicated. As I think about the mess in the Ukraine right now, I'm aware of a group of prayer warriors in our Alliance family, including Miriam Charter, who you met a couple of weeks ago, and they've been praying that the God of angel armies would confound the Russian troops encircling Kiev. And coming out of all of that are all sorts of stories of supernatural intervention in very specific battle situations, miracles in some very specific situations. Yet, at the same time, Russia continues to advance. And just the ongoing mess of so many lives and the criminal insanity of it all is heartbreaking. Yet there are Ukrainian Christians praying, sun stand still, prayers of faith. And they see God intervene in some ways while their country continues to be crushed. What do you do with that? You continue to pray. You continue to trust God. I mean, we expected that the Ukraine would have fallen by now, but it hasn't. Still, it's horrific. Most in the world still expect that the Ukraine will fall. But so many Ukrainians are standing proud, they're standing strong, their faith is not faltering. Like the book of Job, some Christians in Ukraine are saying, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? That too is sun stand still faith. The scripture that I call my life verse, you hear it from me a lot, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Your circumstance doesn't have to be all peace and joy and bliss. Your circumstance does not have to be 100% for your faith to be 100%. Your 12-year-old daughter could have passed away at your house. But if you still, if you would just keep moving forward in faith, Jesus looks at your situation, whatever it is, and he says, don't be afraid. Don't give up. I, I mean, don't count yourself out. Just believe. The devil says, why bother? Jesus says, just believe. But Doug, they just, they just laid me off my job. Well, clean up your resume. Get out there. There is another day coming. Your best is not behind you. God does have a plan for you. I prayed that my marriage would stay together, but now I'm divorced. Friend, your, your divorce does not define you. There's something new that God can do through your life. There's, there's something better he can do in your situation. Hear me. There is this, this tension that you're going to have to learn to work with, that every time a circumstance robs you of the life you so yearn for, there is still... No matter what the circumstance brings, there is still every potential for you to exercise faith that changes things, even when the enemy continues to shout at you, why bother? Let's continue with our story. Jesus walks into a situation where a little girl is dead, and it almost seems insensitive when he says, why all the commotion and wailing? 
the child is not dead, but asleep. And we read that all the people there, they just laughed at Jesus, right? You know, laughing at Jesus is not probably the best strategy. Next thing we see is Jesus puts all the people, all of the scoffers out. He just kicks them all out of the house. And he takes the child and the mother and the disciples who are with them into the room where that uh, dead child lays. Mark writes, Jesus took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is so awesome, right? We serve a Savior who's so calm, cool, collected, that he raises the dead, and then he has the presence of mind to uh, have someone fix this little girl a sandwich, right? This is what you need to understand about our God. He is not freaked out about what's keeping you up at night. Okay, truth be told. Something that I have to say to myself all the time. I, I mean, I have seen God do amazing stuff over and over, but every time I'm pressed against the wall, my faith wavers a bit. So I have to say this to myself. God's got this one just like the last one. God's got this one just like the last one. Um, ever been there? Why are you worrying about a battle that God has already won? We, we talked about this last week as we celebrated communion. God won the battle on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, the battle has been won. Even if the sun does go down, God himself will be your light. Even if the situation doesn't get better, God will use the very thing the enemy meant to tear you apart and use it to build you up and just build a great story, a great testimony to the glory of his name. Why bother? No, no, no. Just believe. And let me add this. You don't have to understand it all to believe. You don't have to totally understand what God is doing in your life to, to completely obey. Jairus didn't understand, but he obeyed. He followed Jesus. This is the second week in Lent. Good Friday and Easter are five weeks away. Think about the cross. Jesus could have said, why bother when he was hanging on a cross, being murdered by the very people he came to save? And what did those people do? They tore his flesh from his back and they, they, they beat him beyond recognition. And how did he respond? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And he stretched out his arms and he died. Because on the third day, you know, he kind of kicked that rock out of the end of that borrowed tomb. And, and by doing that, he proved once and for all that it's possible. That it doesn't matter how dead your situation seems to be, that, that we serve a God who will hang on a cross and bust through the grave so that he can prove himself faithful in our lives. God can still make the sun stand still in your life. Will you believe? Will you trust? Join me for a moment of prayer, and you can just kind of pray this along with me. Let's pray. Father God, when that ugly voice rears up in the back of my head, why bother? Help me to believe. Lord, I, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And, and when circumstances stay dark, when, when the situation does not improve, God, God, would you be my light and my strength? Would you give me the power to persevere? Would you help me to trust? 
Even so, I, I still pray, sun stands still in this situation and whatever the situation is, maybe just pray right now. Pray, God, would you do a miracle? I, I know you can. And hey, maybe the miracle you need is that God would simply sustain you by his grace. I pray this. Even so, Lord, I believe. Even so, Lord, I believe. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.